Good evening and welcome to Get Real with Ralph. I'm your humble host, Ralph Nudie, coming to you live from the studios of AM 1050 WLIP in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and simulcast live from Kenosha to the Canary Islands and everywhere else around the world via YouTube at GetRealWithRalph.com. That's GetRealWithRalph.com. Do you ever feel stuck in the middle? (laughs) If you do, you've arrived at the right place. Aren't you getting sick of having to hide the fact you actually have common sense in order to maintain friendships with people that have been so radicalized, so indoctrinated on either side that they refuse to, I don't know, think for themselves? Well, we're here to disrupt that here. So if you like to demagogue issues, you're at the wrong place. If you've been radicalized, you're not going to like me. If you're rigid in your thought process, we're going to try and jar your brain a little bit free here on Get Real. Because that's what we do. Ladies and gentlemen, our thoughts have been hijacked, our values have been appropriated, and our fears have been exploited every day in an attempt to divide us. Divide us by color, by gender, by nationality, immigration status, sexual preference, height. Well, maybe just me. Uh, Because I don't have a lot of that. Uh, Boxers or briefs? What color socks you're wearing? Doesn't matter. But here, we're going to talk about being together and solving the issues of the day. So let's get real. we got a really exciting episode coming tonight. We have uh, a couple of guests here in the studio that uh, have been icons in youth sports or high school sports over the last, I don't want to say how many years and uh, and make my guests feel too terribly old, but for a long time, let's put it that way. We have uh, fantastic musical guests this evening. We've got Dropping Daisies with... Danny and Amy Crucianelli, they're going to come in at the break and and, uh, play a little live set for us. And we've got some lively conversation with our own man with the plan, Mr. Jim Selovich. How are you doing, Jim? Doing fine, Ralph. Uh, Another Sunday night, my friend. It is. And by the way, I'm wearing boxer briefs. Not boxer boxers briefs. or briefs. I'm wearing boxer briefs. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So that's so, kind of like that's like being stuck in the middle, isn't it? Well, sometimes. Yeah. When it's really warm out. When it's really warm yeah, out, and it yeah. gets a little stuck. Sometimes I got to shift it a little to the left or to the right. You just got to shake it. Yep. Yep. That's all you got to do. Not more than twice. And moving on. <laughs> uh, big show coming up. In yes. Scene. Uh, part of the uh, overhead improvisers. Uh, improv comedy coming up uh, last two weekends of July at the 6th Street Theater. Me and my friends are putting on a great show. So those of you who want to see a great improvisational show, if you like Whose Line Is Anyway type of stuff. Love it. We are performing at the 6th Street Theater uh, the weekend of uh, June, uh, excuse me, July 18th. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You do comedy? I try. Is, is that I, why I've been laughing every time we come in the studio? No, here? I, I'm hoping it's my comedy. Well, it, it, it's. I, I just thought you were naturally funny. I didn't realize you were testing out new material on me. So, anyways, those of you who want to come see that show, uh, we open on uh, the weekend of. Uh, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, eight p.m. If you want tickets, go to overourheadplayers.org. 
So I'll be telling more about that later. Overourheadplayers.org. Org. And and uh, all joking aside, because mm-hmm. you can't joke about comedy, Jim Jim really is a he really is a funny guy. Just don't say that to him in a in a tiki bar uh, with Joe Pesci present because uh, they don't like that sort of thing. All right, we'll make sure that doesn't happen. All right, so after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about it being Father's Day, fatherhood. What it means to be a father, what it means to have a father, what it means to not have a father, maybe have a father figure. And then we're going to talk some youth sports uh, with Troy Bow. He is the head coach at Bradford High School. And uh, he brought along with us his father, Mr. Bob Bow, who was the Tremper High School head wrestling Trumper High School head wrestling coach in uh, the 80s, I think into the very early 90s. Uh, had been a teacher, retired teacher from Kenosha Unified for many, many years. Moved down to Florida, decided that uh, retirement wasn't for him. So after maybe a year of boredom, became an athletic director, did that for a number of years. Retired again last year, and now I guess he's, uh, he's got a new endeavor that they're going to tell us about. After the break, we'll talk about fatherhood. And we're back. Getting real on Get Real with Ralph. Getting real about Father's Day, fatherhood. You know, there's a crisis here in America. It's a real epidemic, and sometimes it gets talked about, and sometimes it gets brushed under the rug, but I really think that it is the root of a lot of what's ailing us here in society. According to the U.S. Census Bureau... 19.7 million children, that's more than one in four, live without a father in their home. So, you know, consequently, there's a father factor in nearly nearly all the societal ills that are facing America today. You know, the research shows that once a child is raised in a father-absent home, he or she is affected for life. It's not just something that you get over when when you're older. Some people do push past that adversity, and they, they, they manage to live successful lives. But the damage there lasts forever. A couple of statistics that I looked up before we did this show. Children who grow up without a father in the household are more than four times as likely to live in poverty. Seven times more likely, girls without a father, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to be abused. That's right, more likely to be abused. So all of you that are always, you know, griping about toxic masculinity and, you know, men being the uh, antithesis of good, and I don't know where, where the heck that came from because, you know, the, the men that I know in, in my world are good people. They're good and decent people. They protect women and children. Children who don't have a father in the home are more likely to face abuse and neglect. Two times the risk of infant mortality. I don't know how that ties in. I really don't. But two times greater risk. Children without a father are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, are two times more likely to suffer from obesity. Think about that. They're more likely to commit a crime. They're twice as likely to drop out of high school. That's 19.7 million children in our country right now. No father in their home. So on Father's Day today, if you have a father, 
and he was in the home. Maybe he was the greatest guy in the world. Maybe the old man was a little bit of a prick from time to time because, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. But make sure you pick up that phone and call him and and thank him because uh, it's becoming a rarer thing, folks. All right, and in the studio with us today, we have our guests, Troy Bow, head coach over at Bradford High School, Bradford Football. Troy, welcome to the program. Hi, Ralph. Thanks for having me. And, of course, who do we have with you here? Uh, my father, Bob Bow, all the way from Naples, Florida. Hello, Mr. Bow. And, uh, you know, I, I first met Mr. Bow when I was, I don't know, 12. You were my gym teacher at McKinley Junior High, and uh, you had already coached my, old, my older cousin, Perry Nudie who, by the way, said to tell you hello today. He called me on the phone when he heard you were going to be on the radio today. And uh, so you, you really, you're a real positive role model, you know, even even when I was growing up. And I had a dad, but you were still a very positive role model, and I, and I remember you being there. So, of course, when Troy came back to town here to uh, head up the football program at Bradford, I thought, this is, this is exciting. I know this family. These are people who really care about what they do and, and, and really care about kids. So... I'm going to start with you, Troy. How did you how did you leave Kenosha because you were gone for quite a while, and how did you get drawn back to be the coach at Bradford? I think the weather drove me away, as uh, evidenced by today, um, mid June, high of 55. Uh, so I think that's what drove me away to begin with. And I I moved to Miami, spent two years in Miami, and then moved to Key West, Florida, started the wrestling team down there, and. I really was just searching for warmer weather as a late 20s, early 30-something. You started a wrestling program in Key West. Yes, legitimate wrestling. I, no, 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 I get that. Uh, what was it? I'm going I'm to back up and take you through these pieces a little slower because that, that's interesting to me because I know that wrestling for the longest time was a Midwest thing. It was a Big Ten thing, and there wasn't as much of it in the South, and I know that it has really exploded in Florida over the last 10-plus uh, years as well as, uh, you know, the, the Georgia coast, you know, Georgia. Um, even even Alabama is, is starting to grow in wrestling, and it was unheard of in that state probably 10 years ago. So, so tell me a little bit about getting a wrestling program started in a state that wasn't traditionally a wrestling state. I, I think my first year at Key West High School was uh, 97, 98, and we – a guy down there by the name of Bob Woods had actually just purchased a used mat – and he was actually a graduate of the University of Wisconsin. Uh, and somehow or some way, I was in the paper some, I don't know even what for, but he saw I was from Wisconsin. And he reached out to me and said, hey, we've got a mat. Would you start a club? So we started a USA uh, Freestyle Greco Wrestling Club. Um, had quite a bit of interest from a lot of our football kids. We hosted a tournament in Key West. I think we had about 250 kids from all over Florida show up. Um, our AD said, wow, this is great. You've got 15 of our students wrestling. The next year, we had a family move down from Okeechobee, Florida, a kid by the name of Justin Klein. He was the sole wrestler on our team, and he had a incredible year because he had – my assistant was from Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, who wrestled in college. That's a hot better wrestling. It, in, yeah, in and so Randy, Randy was very good. I was, you know, better then than I was in high school, so – uh, the poor one-man team, Justin, got pounded on every day at practice, but ended up making it to state. Uh, and then the following year, which I think would have been 99-2000, uh, we had a full-fledged, full-fledged team. Wow. 
filling weight classes, not giving up too many forfeits, actually able to be competitive in, in dual meets and everything. Huh? We actually, um, the kids really did a great job of buying in down there, and we never lost a district dual meet, which that's the equivalent of a conference dual meet here. Sure, sure. So we yeah. actually never lost a district dual meet the five years that I was a coach down there. And that is, is that alive and well still, that program? Uh, they have won 10 straight um district championships wow my first heavyweight Chaz Jimenez is now the head coach wow and he was a state runner-up his senior year wow that's a lot so you moved from Key West on to doing more football stuff where did you uh uh went from Key West to Greenville South Carolina um and some surrounding parts of Greenville really over the last uh I guess I was in Greenville 14 years from 2004 to 2018 um, actually two or three years ago when the Tremper job was open, uh, I had a couple friends call me and say, Hey, the Tremper job's open. Why don't you apply? So I did, uh, did a phone interview, um, interviewed over the phone and actually thought it went very well, but didn't get the job at that time. So then I guess it would have been, um, March of 2018, a couple friends called me again and said, Hey, the Bradford's job open job is open. Why don't you apply? So I did again, and this time they called for an interview, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to do it over the phone this time. I want to go there. And actually, Dad and I were scheduled to go to NCAA Wrestling Nationals in Cleveland, so I just kind of changed my flight and interviewed here the day before and then flew to Cleveland to meet Dad from Florida uh, at the wrestling championships, had the interview, um, got offered the job March 29th of 2018, and actually uh, a year ago yesterday we moved into our house. Wow, wow. So you've got one full season under your belt, and you're here a year. Yep. What's, uh, tell, tell us about your team. Tell us about the development and, and the process of, of, of stepping in. Of course, now you have to implement your systems and, and your, your, your playbook and, and really get an entire team acclimated to your coaching style, which is one that you've, you've developed over time. What was, what was that like culturally? I, I think the big thing was it was so late in the process last year. You know, we... I didn't, like I said, didn't move till June 15th. At that time, if you don't get in the weight room till then, uh, it's too late. You can't get stronger in less than two months for a football season. So we had some, you know, we not that Bradford didn't have kids who lifted. We did. Uh, but I don't think it was the level of commitment that you needed to be successful. Um, we kind of left the offense in place from the previous year. And then I'm a defensive background guy, so I put in our defensive system. Uh, and, and quite honestly, the kids did fantastic. Um, you know, we were not as strong as you need to be, but our kids really bought into the defensive system, and we actually played pretty good defense last year. Um, ended up winning four games, made the playoffs, um, and, and lost at Oak Creek in the first round. But, you know, I think for our first year, we kind of laid the foundation of expectations, what, what we expect from the kids, not just really football-wise, but what we expect from them in the building and in the community. And, and that's to be good citizens. And I, I think you see us out there quite a bit in the community doing community service work and, and, and just making the kids understand that it's, it's a lot more than just football. Sure, sure, sure. You know, you have to be good people before you can be successful at anything else. And that also helps on, on the next level if they want to play the next level too, looking at colleges and things as such, correct? I mean, as far as uh, recruiting and, you know, being scouted. Absolutely. You know, and it, it's always nice that it, it, we stress grades a lot. We have a lot of study halls during the year. We're um, always checking the computer to check on the kids' grades and staying on them. And, you know, that's the first thing. If you don't have 
decent grades, you're not recruitable. Um, you know, that's the first thing that college coaches, when they come in, that's the first thing they ask me is GPA, ACT score. Um, if you're not there, then it doesn't matter how good of a player you are. If you're, you know, if you're not well-rounded, the second question I get is, tell me what kind of person they are. Right. Um, the third question I get is, what kind of player are they? Yeah. So it's really all about grades, what kind of person are you, then what kind of player are you? That's what's so important, getting them involved in uh, community activities and different types of things. Uh, was, was, there, was there a wrestling team? I think it was in, uh, I want to say, Minnesota, where they're out shoveling. And they were just clearing out all this, uh, all, all this snow for these uh, folks in the neighborhoods. Yeah, they went to a neighborhood and they shoveled driveways, which is awesome. And, it, and that's something that we may try this winter because mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. We did, um, you know, we volunteered. We ran our water station at the Wisconsin Marathon and had a ball. It's really mm-hmm. actually a good team building exercises, too, because sure. we get our kids together. And they spend time together outside of football, outside of school. We did the color run at Stoker Elementary, and the kids had a ball that day. And, I, you know, I think my daughter was uh, had some of – I don't even know what you call that powder, but it was in her hair for two weeks. Um, and, yes, she did shower during that time. She just didn't do a very good job of it. Um, but, you know, we did the color run at Stoker. We did the Wisconsin Marathon Water Station. We do the bike valet at the Harbor Market every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we man that with two or three kids every Saturday to try to get us visible in the community and, and we'll do any other. So if there's anybody out there that needs volunteer help and, you know, if you need 20 guys or 30 guys or, you know, five guys, we're certainly willing to to step up and do whatever we can do to help the community. Yeah, and that's got to help with attendance, too, to come to the games. You know, people are more involved with the with the players themselves. We hope, you know, and yeah, we're, we're trying always- to do some things there, too, is just for us to reach out. I'm I'm going to start a newsletter to basically our fans and our sponsors and send out a, a monthly newsletter in the off season and try to make it bi-weekly or, or uh, weekly in the during the season with video highlights and just to try to get people more involved in our program. Yeah, you know, and get to that beautiful new stadium too. My lord. It is great. It is, you know, I know Bradford waited a long long we time did. for you that. Know, I was you know. uh, I was class of 81. I was part of that team from 79 to 81. And uh, we'd have, you know, go to Michi Field, you know, Anderson Park was back in the day, you know, and it's always like even though we're the home team, we're playing Tremper we're in their backyard. I was on both sides of that, actually. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. went to Bradford in 82 and then Tremper in 83 and 84. But you're right. You know, mm-hmm. you get you have to get on a bus to go to a home game. Right. It's certainly nice to be at home right. and, you know, to walk room. from the locker yeah. room over to the stadium. And It was definitely anticipated for a very long time, and it took a lot to get that finally put together. It, it was a strange thing that they built a, a stadium for a high school that didn't exist yet before they built one for Bradford. Well, you know, when they built Jasquich over by Indian Trail, because at the time Indian Trail was just a, a charter school that didn't even have a football program, and it was more or less a football field attached to Mahone Middle School, and I, and I found that odd. And and sometimes I wonder, did they did they do that to pull one over? Because if they would have built one at Bradford first, then people wouldn't have been so sympathetic that they had to wait a little while over on that side of town. But by doing that first, they could come back around and say, well, these mm-hmm. you know these poor Northside families have been waiting forever. Sometimes I, I sometimes I think a little bit of psychology goes on in trying to game, mm-hmm. uh, getting the taxpayers to pony up. But all that aside, I'm glad it finally happened for Bradford because it was definitely long long deserved and uh you know obviously some returning players uh mm-hmm. former players that are in the nfl have been very very helpful in and sponsoring things uh, you and i had talked privately about some of that before um i can remember the old lakefront stadium 
going from the old Bradford downtown, and we'd have uh, football practice. We'd walk down to Lakefront Stadium and uh, be in that uh, <clears throat> locker room and uh, getting that cold air coming off the off the lake and stuff. It was it was brutal, a couple of those games, but uh, that's a long time ago, long gone. But I, I think that were those were some of our favorite games when mm-hmm. I actually when I was in back then, obviously junior high, getting to play at Lakefront, and then mm-hmm. when Dad was coaching at Lincoln. Uh, those were some of my favorite games too. Yeah. Is when they played at um, Lakefront Lake Stadium. Front, yeah. And if yeah. I'm not mistaken, you, Dad, you used to play games at um, Simmons Field, where the Kingfish play now. Yeah, right. We played, there were there we were played, some games there. We played there a lot. And uh, when you saw me coaching at Lincoln, I think you were seven years old, maybe. <laughs> uh, we'd have to ask Leonard about right. a little blonde-haired kid running around the practice field over there at at Lincoln Park. What, what, what year did you start coaching, Bob? In in any sport or yeah, well, school sports in in Kenosha. In in Kenosha, yeah. uh, nineteen seventy, I started out in Gary, Indiana, in nineteen sixty five. That's when I my first teaching job, my first uh, wrestling coaching job was in Gary, Indiana, and I learned an awful lot in that area. A lot of tough kids, a lot of very good athletes, come out of there. There, and uh, just before Troy started kindergarten, we moved here, and he started in the Kenosha Unified School District system. Sure, sure, and you were so you, you you coached over at Lincoln before you were at, at Tremper. Yeah, I I, I coached at Lincoln. Uh, started with um, football. I actually uh, coached Jaskowitz. Uh, got me started in football. No kidding. Yeah, and uh, he sat with me, talked with me, showed me everything that he used to do. He showed me plays, defenses, the gaps, everything. And at Lincoln, we were very successful. We had, of course, we had some really good athletes. We had Leonard Jackson, uh, Larry Jackson, Dougie, uh, Tony Moore, a lot of good athletes in those days. And so um, Chuck Lang and I were very successful. That's fantastic. And then you moved on. You ended up obviously becoming a, 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 a gym teacher at McKinley while you were coaching over at Tremper. When did you, when did you first take the Tremper job? Oh, geez, I think that was like 19... 19- 80? Yeah, 83. 83 is when I started there. And uh, I was at St. Joe's before that. And then um, I started coaching at uh, Tremper 83 and went from there and had a really great time. You had some, some talented wrestlers in those uh, early years, too, the DeLavio brothers. Uh, we, had, we had some great kids. And, and the reason for that is in the sport of wrestling in this town, the junior high or middle school coaches now, like Don Kirby, uh, was fantastic. Mike Houlihan, they were just, you know, fantastic middle school coaches so that when we got them at high school, we didn't have to show them any moves. All we had to do was hone their skills, get them in shape, and they knew what to do, and that was all because of the feeder program. And in wrestling, the high schools have tremendous feeder programs, and I think they still do now. Yeah, they do, but now, now of course, it's gone to the you know a lot more clubs. Club wrestling, and of course, you you came to a club tournament last time you were here in town, and I had my 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 youngest boy with me, and you know, he started at the age of four. What do you think of these kids starting at this early of an age nowadays? Do you see that as a positive? Do you see it as a negative? A little bit of both. Actually, my view of it is that you can see it in college, even, and you can see it in high school kids. If they go for it too long they're going to burn out unless they're really dedicated to it because it takes, you know, you yourself know how hard it is. Sure. And you can't just do it three months out of the year and be successful if you want to just dedicate yourself and and go with it. But I've seen too many actually drop out 
yeah. before they even get to their senior year. I've seen it happen in my own household. Yeah, it's it, it it can be it can be grueling, and I think it's easy for a parent. And I, and I don't and I don't think this is unique to any particular sport. It is very easy for a parent to get caught up in the emotion and really just want to propel their kid to greatness. And even if it's for the right reasons, even if you want it for your child, you're not living through them, but you just want them to experience that. You still have to you still have to back off and ask them what it is that they want to experience. And I that's not happening enough, I think, right now. Right. Um. What I've seen is that if the parent pushes it and helps them, you really have to find out if that's what your child wants. Okay, And you have to – sometimes they feel they're doing it for you, and you have to make them understand if you're going to be successful, you have to start doing this stuff for yourself. It doesn't matter what sport it is or what you're doing in life. Right? you got to start doing those things for yourself and what you want to do. You have to get passionate about something. I don't care what it is. We have to get our kids, as they're growing up, to be passionate about something. I don't care if it's hiking, camping, softball, volleyball, whatever it is. They need to get passionate mm-hmm. about something other yeah. than other than these things. Yeah, right. You know, other cell than phone, yeah, stuff. cell phones, yeah, electronic, electronic devices. devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that a little more after the break. Uh, also, if you were ever coached by Coach Bow here in Kenosha and you want to call in, uh, 262-694-1050, our engineer Jim is going to be screening out calls. We're looking for anybody who is out there in Kenosha land who may have uh, you know, wrestled or played football for, uh, for Coach Bow and uh, is, is hearing this on the radio. And we'd like to give him a shout-out on our Father's Day special here on Get Real with Ralph, and we'll have a little bit more after the break. other day he came to the world in the usual way but there were planes to catch and bills to pay he learned to walk while i was away and he was talking for i knew it and as he grew he'd say i'm gonna be like you dad you know i'm gonna be like you and we're back in the studio at am 1050 wlip and of course, streaming all across the world via YouTube at GetRealWithRalph.com. That'll take you right to our YouTube channel. That's GetRealWithRalph.com, where you can hear the actual radio feed this time around. We've been working on our sound week after week. And you can even see us in the studio goofing off during the commercials, throwing paper clips at each other, whatever it is we, we feel like doing. Punching, fighting. Yep. Kicking, arguing. scratching. Yep. All we need is a little bot, little ding, ding, and yeah, uh, we we next round. We actually haven't got to that point yet, but uh, <laughs> here it is, round one. And in the studio with me today, I have Coach Troy Bow. He is the head coach at Bradford High School here in Kenosha, and along with uh, him, his father, Bob Bow. And we were talking about youth sports and, and parents pushing too hard before we went to the break. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, youth sports uh, for a few more minutes there. I'm stepping all over myself. That happens once in a while. But we're going to talk youth sports a little more, and then we're going to talk about fatherhood and uh, how fatherhood is uh, changing in America, how parenthood is changing in America as well. So you you took over the Tremper program, you said, in uh, uh, 83? Around that time, yeah. Gotcha. The thing about it is those I don't know exact dates anymore. I just know it was a long time ago. Does that come with the white hair? Yeah, it comes with the white hair. <laughs> well, I do know this. You know, speaking of you know kids being brought up right, I remember there was an incident. I, 
I was walking through McKinley Junior High, and some bigger bully-type kid came and dumped my books all over the floor, and they went flying. And I turned around, and I thought, well, forget you, Charlie. I'm going. Let's go. And I put my fists up. We are going to dance. And he put his up. And as soon as he put his fists up, I dropped down and double-legged him. Down on the ground he went. Because <laughs> he, he had already dumped my books. He already punched me in the face once. And just as I was about to get the best of him, I ended up finding myself in a full Nelson getting dragged away, dragged away by, uh, by Coach Bow here. And, you know, I never I, – I if you would have just let me, I would have won that one. I would have won. Well, maybe if I'd have let you, we wouldn't be here talking. <laughs> <laughs> Saved your life, buddy. <laughs> you know, he very well may have. I was uh, I, I, I was all mouth and no muscle back then, I can tell you that. Those, those days of um, at McKinley were really good days because when you were there, uh, my wife and I were, uh, were talking about McKinley the other day, and that was a fantastic staff at that school. Sure, and, sure. And um, when I was at Lincoln, it was a fantastic staff. And I don't know if it was that was just the times, you know, the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s of when the uh, staff was really a staff, you know, and they wanted to stay at a school. They were loyal to that school. Uh, and um, I don't see that happening a lot nowadays. No, what's going on now is everything gets, everything gets measured and sliced and diced. And uh, you know what they had back when I was in school that they don't have now? Detention. Uh you got a slip and you went out. They don't even have that anymore. If you're if you're a teacher in this day and age and you want to you want to hold a kid accountable, then that means you're going to pay a couple hours extra childcare and you're going you're going to hold a child accountable yourself. That doesn't work. And uh, you have you know you they remove call buttons even. They used to have call buttons. You could hit the button, call the office. They remove them. Lord, Lord only knows why. But imagine they spent money to take a a method of communication away in the classroom. Can't, can't figure that one out either. Interesting though, Ralph. I have the old intercom in my room at Bradford. Really? They can call me. Right. They just took the buttons out so you can't but call I them. But I can't call them. You can't bother them anymore. Yeah. No, I have a phone that I can call out on, but the, the little box, the old-time box, right. where the voice comes where through. The, where the button was. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's no button. So think about how safe is that, that now you got to go put a phone up to your ear if, if there's an altercation breaking out in your classroom before you just hit the button and went over there. And now no matter wh- no matter which direction you take you might be taking the wrong direction if you're on the phone they're going to say how come you weren't breaking it up if you're breaking it up they're going to say how come you didn't call for help and i just i would like to know who the genius was at kenosha unified schools that said let's spend money removing a call button seriously i I don't know if the person still works there i don't know how long ago it was i hope it isn't anybody who's high and mighty and important right now and they're going to call and complain about me but i don't care you're an idiot for doing that there's just all there is to I know you can't say that. You work there. But I just can't figure it out. And all this PBISBS that's going on where kids aren't being held accountable for any of their actions. And the messed up part is they're already not getting held accountable at home. You know, we just talked about, you know, missing fathers. And then the idea is, well, you know, they don't really have fathers, so we're not going to hold them accountable. And I, I think it's a mess. And I hope that I hope that some teachers, because most of the teachers don't agree with this. Well, I want to find out who the idiot is. <laughs> there has to be a reckoning where we start to come back. There's got to be way. a reason for it. I, yeah, I, I couldn't. I can't speculate on <laughs> no, the reason, no, and no. I can't. I can't talk to. I can't say the things you're saying, Ralph. I can't say that right <laughs> no, now. No, you can't. But, you can't. But, but I get the free bully right. pulpit here. But here's the deal. Um, one of the things I think you'll see on our shirts this year, uh, and it. It's important to me is uh, we already started it with our combine shirts that we had about a month ago. 
is be the change. And what I've done is that's beautiful. And and it really, guys, it doesn't have anything to do with football. It's got everything to do with Bradford High School um, and the change that needs to occur in our building. And what I'm doing is I'm challenging our football kids to be part of that change. When and, it, and it's something that I'm going to harp on as long as I'm there until we get it turned around at that school is it's not football. It's every day in the hallway or the restrooms. And I challenge our football kids to, if they see a kid vaping in the bathroom, make them stop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's okay. You're a football player. You can tell your peer to stop because the kids these days are going to listen a lot more to their peers than they are adult figures in the school. And there's a lot more eyes from their peers than there is of us adults in the building. We can't see everything that goes on. So I'm really challenging our kids to kind of retake the hallways and retake the classrooms and retake the bathrooms away from the 100 or 150 bad kids that we have that have made a negative impact on the building. And it's a challenge to our kids and the good kids, because we are very blessed at Bradford that our football kids, for the most part, are really good kids. And I'm challenging them to step up, to be a better mm-hmm. kid. If you see something that's wrong, speak up. I, I, I just believe that kids still want to be good in, 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 at heart. They do. They want to be told what, what you know, pretty the, much what to they do. They need structure. They, they need some type of, yeah. yeah they want to be good. There's always a few that are... Do they have that piece missing. They have that mm-hmm. little switch missing that, that tells them, hey, I shouldn't do this. And somehow they, they end up sucking some of the other kids into the, into the drama and the excitement of it all. But at their core, most kids want, want to be good. They want to be recognized for being good. They want to be recognized for accomplishments, not for being a loser. I, re- I really, truly believe mm-hmm. that. And so we've, we've got – and I understand that that's why this whole positive thing was aimed toward that. But you've got to have a little bit of shame in society still. You've got to have a little bit of consequences and things with teeth in, on the other end as well to round it out. Well, I, I think you have to have some sort of punishment system that is uncomfortable, yep. that, that is a detriment to do that behavior again. It, you know, it's a basic of our society. That's why we have a prison system is – to deter others from doing the same thing. Yeah. When you see somebody sentenced to life in prison, that should deter you from committing that same crime. We have to take that approach again in our schools that the punishment has to deter others from doing the same thing. Sure. And that doesn't mean you don't love the kids. It doesn't mean you don't care about it. Mean it you doesn't do, mean it means you, you do love them. Right, and it means you, you see positive in all kids. And all kids, you're right. They want to be liked. They want to do well. They're, they all can do something. They're all good at something. We have to find it, you sure. know, and we we got to search for it. And, you know, hey, but then we got to stress that positive stuff. But there's got to be repercussions for doing wrong. And, right. and, and that's the struggle right now. It is. It is. And it's this walking on eggshells because we're not sure how to deal with kids who are having such a lousy upbringing. Did you see that start to deteriorate, Bob, from the beginning of your career to the end as far as uh, how, how kids behaved and the amount of support you're getting from home? Well, I, I think it's it's changed a lot because in those days for, uh, when I was the uh, dean of students at, at McKinley before I um, retired from there, it was um, not as... I don't want to say crazy, but I got a lot of support when I was a dean when I called the parents to come in. They they were trying. 
uh, and let's face it, some of them parents try. And just because a student does something wrong, a lot of them felt that that reflected on them. Well, it really doesn't. You know, you're, you're trying your best. You know, you're a single mother, you're a single father, you're raising anything. You're trying your best to do what you can. And, you know, you're working at night and, and your son is out or daughter is out and you, you can't control them, but you're doing the best you can. I think it's our job as educators, and it's always been my philosophy, is when that student comes to school, all right, the parent doesn't send us their worst kid. They send us the best kid they have, and we have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and how we take care of them is, is what the difference is. Sure, I don't, I don't know much about this program in, in, in Kenosha now where you pat them on the back or whatever that is, but I know that I was privileged to be associated with an elementary school in Naples. And in that school, we had 750 students. 32% of them were considered homeless, mm-hmm. and 98% of them, English was their second language. Yet, when you greeted them every day, and you gave them a hug, you just put your arm around them and gave them a hug. They, they loved it. Yeah. They loved it, and consequently, we had a very calm, nice school. They weren't the smartest kids. A lot of them may never go on to college, but you gave them that hug, and they were yours. Yep. You sh- but it's a little different than not having any consequences. If they did something wrong, they still had to serve the consequences, but they knew that you still cared about the it, consequences right? were separate from the, from your from it, your affection for them it, as, it, as a child exactly. or your, your your value of their worth mm-hmm. as, as a person it, and they understood those were two separate things so you're a good kid i don't want you doing this anymore because i hate seeing you get in this kind of trouble but now you got to pay the price and yeah I, I don't know exactly what the program here here in kenosha but i know that since i've been in education since 1965 programs come and programs go sure you know, two years from now, this may not be, may not be the forte or whatever. Uh, just like the evaluation system in Florida, they've now changed that, and you know, it's it's every school system. I'm hoping somewhere someday people quit demagoguing every issue and trying to measure stuff and then gaming stuff mm-hmm. so that it gets measured properly. And just go back to common sense because right. that's what works. Right. Our job as educators should be to take care of those students when they come to school, protect them, take care of them, right. let us educate them. If they're having problems, we can help them with the problems. Mm. We cannot help every kid with every problem they have. So just show them that you love them, and and you go from there. Mm -hmm. You may still lose them, but they know that you cared about them. Right. They still may do something wrong that is really bad down the road. You know, they may when they get to high school, they may crack up a car. Um, We we just in Naples, we just had three kids rolled over an ATV vehicle Mm. in the woods. And, and one of them was killed. Mm. And the one that was driving was a good kid in school, yet they, he was arrested because he was under the influence of alcohol at the time. So now he has a manslaughter charge. Yeah. But that didn't make him, not make him a good kid. Right. He just, something happened, made you know, made the, wrong, made the wrong choice. Yeah. And I, I don't know what, you know, teachers face nowadays. I know it's tough. I know it's tough mm-hmm. at, at Troy with the high school and, and, in Entrail and Tremper, I know they have their problems, but you, you just, we, te- as teachers, you just have to suck it up and go with it. You know, I can tell that you still, even after this many years, really have a passion for that and, and a passion for kids. And that leads me to the next uh, topic here with you. You've decided yet again to, to come out of complete retirement and uh, get involved again. Tell us, 
Troy, tell us how this came to be and tell us about the newest hire on your staff. Well, I think we actually attempted to do this last year at the time. Um, I don't know. I, I think we kicked around the idea uh, when I got the job to hire Dad uh, as an assistant coach. And um, Keith Deaton, was who we coached with at McKinley for a while, was actually come came out of retirement and helped us out for a few weeks. And then Keith had some health problems. But uh, we talked about it again. He actually, I think, were you at the first four games last year? Right. Yeah, I think he was at the first four games and maybe saw one after that. So he was around a lot and saw a lot of the games, and I think that kind of gives him the itch. And, and, and quite honestly, this is it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, I didn't get this job till I was 52. Sure. Um, you know, Dad's 76 now, so we kind of approached it. Yeah, we, it's okay. They know. Um, you already, already said you already said you started teaching in 1965. You are looking amazing. Um, I, I, I honestly would have figured like 70 ish, <laughs> not 76. But uh, wow, and coming out and getting out on that field that that's that's great, right? And you know we'll like, see how that remember, all works out. I'll, I'll be on the field, but I'm not playing, all right. right? And we'll see how that all works <laughs> out. You know, it's it's um. You know, it's something that I, I, I want to have somebody whose opinion I value around, not that our assistant coaches don't do a great job, but I think somebody who's going to be more honest with me and not look at me as he, He's as definitely not going to be – he's not going to be a yes man. He's going to be, now, son, this is, what, this is yep. what I think you need to do. Right, but, but he's got to but, yeah. he, but the best part is he's still got to remember I'm still in charge. So um, <laughs> he, we, don't have to, we don't have to invite him back the next week. Um, but no, I really want somebody who's going because I, you know, I want somebody who's not going to look at me as the head coach and not tell me the truth. I've been on too many staffs and been around football too long that where assistant coaches behind the head coach's back, all they do is bad mouth and talk bad, and that doesn't do anybody any good. And, and you I, walk back in and they're yes man, right? Well, and I'm trying to create a culture there where you know everybody says it. Well, I've got an open door. Please come to me anytime. But I want our assistant coaches, I want our players to be open and honest with me and say, and tell me if they don't like something we're doing to tell me and that I'll take it into consideration, think about it, and maybe we'll change. Maybe we won't change, but maybe we will. And I think he'll, one thing that dad will do is he'll always be honest with me and offer suggestions as far as, as far as the, you know, even just logistics of how we do things. You know, he mentioned something today about, Let's all walk back to the locker room from the stadium together. Uh, and that's not something we did last year. And that's, you know, and I always told him, I teased him. I was teasing him this morning and I said, okay, you can suggest it, but it doesn't mean we're going to do it. I'll think about it always. And, you know, he brought that up and, and that's a good idea. We should all, you know, we're, we're going to talk. They can have their 10 minutes with their parents and then we're going to blow the whistle and we're going to walk back Absolutely. together the same way we walked to the stadium we're going to walk back together. So I think that's going to be You walk in as a invaluable. team, you walk out as right. a team. That's, uh, and, and, and those are the little those are the little nuances that I think sometimes get missed in today's day and age that you got this intergenerational thing going here. Obviously, your father must have had a very profound effect on your life because look what you're doing for a living. Yeah, and I always told, actually, mom and dad, because mom, you know, she was a teacher and a coach at Lance for a long, long time and then an athletic director, assistant principal, uh, and Growing up, all I ever told them, and Dad can attest to this, is I'm not going to be a teacher. There's no way I'm going to be a teacher. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. And then, uh, lo and behold, I worked in the advertising in industry for about three or four years out of college, um, moved down to Florida and, and got an opportunity to teach in Key West and actually coached right away. 
to get my first teaching job, I coached boys and girls tennis and JV girls soccer in Key West. And it was in your blood. In 97. Um, and it was fun. You know, I didn't know. I, I had played tennis a little bit growing up uh, at the old town club, you know, of course, the town club. Um, and then, you know, soccer I didn't know anything about, but I knew I could make up some drills and our head coach would give me drills. But, you know, then as we talked about, I gave, you know, started the wrestling team and um, I've loved it, you know, and it, it, it's something that um, has been very rewarding. You know, there's there's no, com- you know, there is no substitute for former players and wrestlers seeing them. And when you see them and, you know, it's great nowadays to see the Facebook thing uh, because you can stay in touch with them. But when you see them, they give you a hug and and tell you how much they miss you. And in all of those, the relationships that I've built with the kids I've coached is incredible. And it's it's what makes your life special. It's rewarding. Absolutely. You know, you made a difference in somebody's life. And uh, that's that's what you're that's what you're doing it for. And, yeah. and that's you know, and like Dad said, it, it there's there's a lot that you try to reach and you don't. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of sad stories too. Uh, but there's certainly the, you know all the positives certainly outweigh all the negatives. And you, you see kids that might have been on the fence and might not have got through high school without that wrestling team or that football team, and who make it not only through high school but college and have a successful career now and even you know I'm obviously getting a lot older now have families and have kids you know and um that's a that's a great thing to know that you made a difference that's what you go to work for that's what you get up for making a difference in this world is is mm-hmm. what I get up for every day even even now and sometimes it's hard to find meaning in and and what you do depending on what it is that y- your occupation actually is but if you can do that, if you can tap into that, that, that feeling that what you're doing matters, and it doesn't just matter for self-serving purposes, but it matters, you're having societal impact, I think that it just it, it gives you that, that energy to push forward when you might be having a really, really lousy day. Yeah, I think you know, you, everybody should think about what's their why. And that's something I preach in my classroom a lot of times is, is find something you're passionate about. Dad spoke to that earlier is about kids finding a passion. Uh, I tell my students all the time, find your passion and then you don't work. Um, you know, we, there's so much stress on kids these days about what college they're going to get into and what job they're going to have and picking your career. And, you know, we ask 18-year-olds to decide what they want to do when they're 30. And I always said, you know, I had no idea. Like I said, when I was an 18-year-old, all I ever said was, there's no way I'm going to be a teacher. There's no way I'm going to be a teacher. And then here I am. So how do, how do you know when you're 18 what you want to do when you're 30, you know? I never had a clue. I think a lot of kids, they're blessed if they do, but I always try to stress to my students, find your passion. You know, find your passion and make that your career. Certainly, certainly. And, Bob, when you when you found out that Troy was going to get into coaching for the first time, you, you must have felt incredibly proud, and you must have already known that he was equipped to do this probably before he even knew. Oh, yeah. I I, um, I used to go visit him, and when he said we were starting the uh, wrestling team at Key West, I, it was just amazing. And what happened uh, from that one lone wrestler to the program that he built to having state things and placing in his team, placing a state, having uh, state champions in Key West. Uh, it was, it was amazing. I'm very proud of everything he's done and everybody's helped. And uh, I just hope he continues to do that. 
In the studio again, we have Bob Bow and Troy Bow. Uh, Troy is the head coach at Bradford High School. Bob is his father and was uh, a former coach and teacher here. And again, if you're a former student or player for Mr. Bow and you want to call in in the second hour, 262-694-1050, uh, after the break, uh, we're going to have them here for a little bit after our musical act. Uh, after the break, we're going to first have Dropping Daisies. That is Amy and Danny Crucianelli, and they're going to talk a little bit about uh, their, themselves, what they do for a living, their music, and uh, they're, going to pl- they're, going to, they're going to play a little live music for us. And then we're going to get into a little more Father's Day discussion here on 1050 AM WLIP. I'm Ralph Newton. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man of the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know. Since retired, my son's moved away I called him up just the other day I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind He said I'd love to, Dad, if I can find Daddy Daddy wasn't there Turn up and say goodbye, Daddy. Daddy wasn't there to take me to the fair. It seems he doesn't care. And we're back in the studio on AM 1050 WLIP. I'm Ralph Nudie, the host of Get Real with Ralph. And we had to throw out a little Austin Powers there. Daddy wasn't there to uh, keep with our theme about fatherhood, Father's Day, the epidemic of missing fathers and the joy of the fathers that are in our lives today. And uh, we have musical guests here uh, in the studio, as we always do on every episode of Get Real with Ralph. We have Danny and Amy Crucianelli, who have several local bands that they play in. Uh, One of the more notable ones is Dropping Daisies. And of course, if you have ever paid any attention to the Kenosha music scene, you know that the Crucianelli name is one that is pretty well known when it comes to local music and uh, Dan is the son of one of the previous local legends the Crucianelli brothers who also called themselves Brother Six and uh, he has really come into his own right as a brilliantly talented musician I heard them play a couple of weeks ago when they opened up for Betsy 8 and the well-known Strangers at 58 Below and uh, I gotta say you guys put on an amazing show just wanted to uh, throw that out there and uh, so, you know, we, we've all gotten to know each other on the music scene lately, and they've decided to step in here and play a little music for us. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and uh, what it is you do, uh, what it is you do musically, and uh, what you're going to play for us. Um, well, first, actually, I want to say that uh, my dad actually was not in Brother Six. My dad was uh, the blue-collar Crucianelli. Ah. The, uh, the the American Motors Chrysler worker. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, motorcycle okay. rider. Yep. Yeah. Um, all the guys that were in Brother Six were all my uncles. 
Got uh, it. Not my brothers, which is the Ex- common <laughs> misconception around ah, here. But gotcha. But I mean, I just roll with it. That's so fine. You know? Yeah, they're yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But still, fam- family. You know, it's kind of the family business here, doing local music. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, it did. It started with my grandma and uh, my grandpa. Really, my grandpa was uh, a jazz guy. He had he played upright bass and uh, had a jazz band in the day. And uh, my grandma, um, if she didn't have seven kids, probably would have been. <laughs> absolutely famous with her twin sister doing like song and dance stuff and all that because they were incredible oh, i used to see them dancing all the time the old brother six shows oh man was oh, that yeah. great was that great or what especially yeah. your, your grandma really would get down and boogie when they play everybody's mama which was a song they wrote for her and i would see yep. her just shaking those arms all absolutely. over the place yeah. and yep. you could tell she really really dug that mm-hmm. uh that, that her kids were doing that and her presence would just steal the show too mm-hmm. amongst like hundreds of people everybody knew when she was there absolutely oh, yeah. Yep, yep. You'd hear that. You'd, you'd hear you'd hear the beginning of that play on 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 that keyboard, and and it was game on. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, so when did you start playing? Um, I started playing when I was uh, either 12, 12 or thirteen years old. Well, twelve, I suppose, on pots and pans. Um, thirteen, I got a drum set, and uh, and that's where I began. And I uh, I took lessons and all that, and I I really learned how to play drums, I guess, the proper way, and then realized that you can't write songs if you're a drummer and you don't play anything else. So I went to guitar when I was 15. Gotcha. And then I've been just kind of you glad you started, doing them all. Are you glad that you started uh, another instrument first? Are you glad that you, you took a guitar at 15 as opposed to at 7 and 8 when, when kids are starting stuff so early nowadays? Um, no. Actually, I wish that I would have started on piano, but I don't know if my attention would have been there. That would have been great. Um, in yeah. retrospect, you can, you, know. re, you can read both. You can read both clefs. You know every key signature. You know how to play in every key, and mm-hmm. from there you can pick up anything. Yeah, I tell anybody that's young that's getting into music. You know, and I'm talking like, you know, teenagers, early teenagers, or even younger. Um, if you want to uh, command a band or get hired later in life for gigs, you should probably learn how to play piano. If you can play piano, you'll be able to play anything later on. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. and so. Uh, so you picked up guitar. Do you still do you play any piano or keyboards now? Um, I do. I play a little bit here and there, but um, I, that's not my dominant instrument. For you know, I, I don't say that I'm very prominent on it. Uh, I'd say that I'm equally a drummer and a guitar player. Um, gotcha. Everything else, I just kind of enough dabble. piano to be dangerous or to maybe pluck out a couple of chords that show other people what you're what, yeah. you're, what you're trying to create. I, I could play. I could play a blues scale here and there and really fool people into thinking that I know how to play. You know. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but 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 no Chopin. <laughs> no, yeah, right. Or yeah, Bach. no. <laughs> I'd be staring at that music like it's foreign like, for like, sure. That's like, too much. <laughs> Every time I hear Chopin or I hear the word nocturne, mm. I think it just brings me back to the movie Tombstone when um Oh, yeah. Doc Holliday is there, mm-hmm. and he goes, "You know, Frederick bleeping mm-hmm. Chopin." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my one of my favorite musical references of all time. All right, so yeah. uh, you've got your your lovely wife Amy here with you. Uh, Amy, tell us about your musical uh, your musical experience. I know that you started a little later on, on in life than than your husband, correct? Yeah. Uh, um, as far as instruments go, I mean, I've always kind of been involved in choir. Um, singing in church when I was a kid with my grandma. Um, but, yeah, I didn't start drums until I was 28. 28 years old. And what prompted you to play drums? Well, I wanted to play my whole life, um, but my family could never afford a drum set or lessons. So 
I didn't get to do it. And then I met Danny. So you both started with pots and pans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I met Danny and I was like, point. oh, he's kind of cute. Danny's got a drum set. Uh, That's how could, I feel. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've heard of girls digging you for your car, for your long hair, for your guitar, but now for your drum, the drum yeah. set. Even well, wow. I mean, he was yeah. kind of the he thought. was kind of a whole package. He was kind of a package deal, so it worked out. There you go. That's cool. Yeah. Eighteen years now. It's been eighteen years now. Yeah. Almost. Holy yeah. moly! All right, oh, that's about right. That's I, about right. I still kind of like that's it. What, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, seven, it'll be seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. It'll be okay. Seventeen years. Yeah. So, what are you guys gonna play for us? Uh, I think I'm going to start off by myself first with a, a blues tune that I wrote um, called Ride the Way I Do. Well, let's hear it. Ride the Way I Do. All right. I just have to remember not to swear, right? No swearing. <laughs> no Correct. Swearing. Yeah, FCC will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Danny Crucianelli with Ride the Way I Do. Life will drive a stake into your soul You're waiting to feel something more You're Stepping away from the news It wants to sing you that swinging blues I know I can't ride all day So please, blow me away It's sometimes hard to take your own advice Seems a mess up is always a mess up done twice People can't seem to ride the way I do They always try to sing me their blues Well, I got my own songs to sing You know what, though? I'd make the whole world's ears ring Cause it's so hard, can't find the thought to really lose When I find myself escaping from the truth and I don't always want to wipe that rain away Searching for truth in any words I say The fault is mine, I know it's not yours But you're whom I'm going to direct that blame towards I'll cut the pain right down to my bones Ooh, my soul gonna have so many holes I've always told others to stay away Well this time, why don't you pull up a seat and stay? Cause it's so hard, can't find the thought to really lose When I find myself escaping from the truth And I don't always want to wipe that rain away Searching for truth in any words I say
that rain away Searching for truth in any words I say The, the, the talent runs deep in that Crucianelli family. I'm that telling is, you why. So who'd you write that for? Um, I have no idea, actually. It's just a story. <laughs> just a story. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fun. So you're a storyteller. Yes. I like that. I like that. So um, what's the first time you started playing out with a band? Um, I want to say probably 14 years old. Drummer. Um, I had a band called Whatever with two of my good <laughs> friends who I'm still in contact with. and That sounds like a 14-year-old name, Whatever. Yeah, we couldn't think of one. You know, we, we had, <laughs> every time we came up with a name, we found out that it was taken, so we got irritated and just did, in, you know, great 90s lingo because it was about 1994 then. And we were like, well, you know what, Whatever, Whatever. <laughs> and then we were like, hey, you know what? That could work. <laughs> sure, sure, that's... Why not? That makes yep. perfect sense. Yep. I got the adhesive sticker stuck in my bass drum head, and we were whatever for, you know, three years, I think. Nice. Awesome. Well, we got time for another one uh, right before we head into the uh, bottom of the hour break. So uh, what are you guys going to play for us next? Uh, I'm going to do a song called Searching. Um, what's wrong with your headphones? Are they cutting out? Yeah. yeah. Sure you could just fine. take them off because you're yeah. just going to sing anyway. Just take yeah, them off. Right. Or um, we got another pair over there. It's the plug. We got it. Yeah. Yeah, and you can switch it over to the other one as well. All right. Everything is okay here. How's that better? Yeah. All right. All right. Now we're good. All right. So what are we playing here? So this song's called Searching. All right. So we're gonna go, we're gonna um, we're gonna go into the break after this. When we come back from the break, uh, we're gonna have the bowels back in here as well, and we're gonna do a little Father's Day trivia here. We're gonna throw some questions out there and see who knows the most about the occupations of famous TV dads. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We'll keep it a little bit fun. So we're gonna, you, you know, everybody can join in and uh, so, see so, what they know. So dropping daisies. When's the next gig? Our next gig actually. He's talking is, to the microphone. You're oh. you're a musician, singer too. You know you. Our, mus- our, <laughs> our next gig actually is Kenosha Pride Festival, which is oh, nice. July 14th. Okay. Uh, I think it's Veterans Park. Okay. Is there, you guys got a website or anything people can go to? Or I mean, Facebook. Facebook. Facebook page? No, there you go. Facebook, Reverb Nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the free stuff. All the free stuff. If anybody finds anything of ours anywhere else, just let us know. Right. Yeah. There you are. Awesome. Any, other, any other social media that you know, know about for following you? YouTube channel, Instagram, any of that yet? Oh, brown yet, shoes or no. anything? Old oh, brown shoes. I mean, there's, there's a, just, just Google Crucianelli. Crucianelli. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Take it right there. That'll bring you a little bit of all yeah. kinds of stuff. C R U C I A N E L L I. Guys, got a jingle already. I love it. Love it. That's how I knew how to spell my name before I knew how to read. And here they are, Danny and Amy Crucianelli, live on Get Real with Ralph.
Get Real with Ralph on AM 1050 WLIP in Kenosha and streaming all across the entire world. You can go to our YouTube channel at GetRealWithRalph.com. That's GetRealWithRalph.com to watch and hear the show live or after the fact. And, of course, we're on just about every podcast platform out there if you want to listen to episodes of Get Real with Ralph after the fact. In the studio with me today, I have... Coach Troy Bow, head coach of the Kenosha Bradford High School football team, along with his father, Mr. Bob Bow, who, in addition to being the Tremper High School wrestling coach for a period, is a retired teacher and administrator from Kenosha Unified Schools and a retired athletic director for the Naples, Florida uh, High School, and is coming out of 
retirement yet again partially at the ripe old age of we won't repeat it even though his son 76 oh there we go his son's gonna dime him out one more time and he still is full of uh full of spunk and ready to get out there and uh and and get it done on the football field with his son and i gotta say this is a great dynamic you know father and son teaming up and and doing something that both of you have such an incredible amount of passion for uh on a certain level, I'm, I'm envious. It's 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 such a cool thing that I don't think most people get to do, and I hope that you really really cherish these these days here because you're both you're both very lucky, uh, and and I, and I mean that you have an incredible father, Troy, Bob. You've got an incredible son. I've gotten to know both of you uh, several you know throughout the years, and uh, it's a great dynamic. But um, I, I think that I think the credit goes to the parents first because that's that's why you are where you are and, and, and who you are today, or at least, at least a really big part of it. Uh, anything, anything you want to add on that before we make this a little more lighthearted? I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and, and what I was saying before is, you know, I, I was, I was fortunate to be raised in a, in a household with teachers and, um, I, I bucked that for a long time, but then obviously, like you said, it's kind of in your blood and, so was the coaching, and I, you know, I grew up around Kenosha City League basketball and Kenosha City League softball every weekend, and um, it, it was it was great, and that's kind of why you know I, I, the opportunity came to move the family back here, and I, that that's kind of the values I remembered, um, and then the opportunity, the once in a lifetime opportunity to coach with Dad, uh, at, where me being the head football coach, and and just have that valuable insight and, and, and thanks to his wife, Mary, for allowing it to happen. Um, you know, she's sacrificing a lot for him to be up here in the fall. Um, and, and we know, you know, she's actually here now and she wants to go right back home because it's like 55. Well, yeah, I mean, it is June. What is it today? June 16th. June 16th. And it is 50, 58 degrees. So this is, this has got to be shocking for you. It, it actually went up. Yeah. yeah um, Last night at this time, uh, see, I didn't get on a plane until about nine. So about this time last night, it was ninety-four degrees where I was, and uh, coming here, yeah. Mary uh, has a little problem with this, even though she's a native Kenoshan, and uh, she says that she's as far north as she's going to move in Naples, Florida. So she says that's as far north as she'll ever move, even though she has a tremendous amount of friends around here. And just to get back real quick uh, about the parents and the upbringing. I was raised in a family uh, where my dad was in World War II, you know, and then my mom, she was raising uh, us when he was in a war. And then when he came home, he worked two jobs to uh, help us get through in those days. That was that was pretty hard to do right after in the 40s. And my dad taught me one thing is that when you do a job, um, you do the job. Uh, the person next to you might be making $10 an hour and you might be making $5 an hour but you signed on to do that job. It might be the same job that he's getting 10 for, but you signed on to do it for five, so you better give it everything that you have. Just Heck, I'm doing this job for free. Don't give it half. Well, that's sometimes, <laughs> yeah. we, get pay, sometimes we get paid what we're worth. Absolutely. And, Ooh. Oh. Ooh. You said to keep it lighthearted this time. <laughs> I just wanted to say, everyone, I'm getting paid. So. Can, can you call it a job if you're not getting paid? Is that, in fact, a job? Maybe it's a hobby. Labor of love. Maybe I don't know. it's a labor of love, yeah. And, and touching on what Dad just said, sometimes you're getting paid $10 an hour and some 5 an hour, but you got to do the job no matter what. He, I hope he keeps that in mind this if you fall. Commit, if you commit to something, right. you got even if you're not getting paid, you got to show I'm up hoping and do it. He, I'm hoping he keeps that in mind this fall because I will be making more money than he will 
on the field. So <laughs> he will have to keep that in mind that he committed to the job and to do it to 110%. Well, he knows that I'll, that I'll give everything I have, and that's why I want this big go-around because I know that I can help the uh, – the athletes here in Kenosha, and I want to do it one more time. I want to I want to help the athletic programs and the students in in this city. I, and this is what uh, really gave me a start and helped me attain you know what what I have today. What I have is I have because of sports. Okay, I have that because of the students and what they did for me and the athletes that played for me. True, I probably didn't please everybody. You know and. When you start, when you've been in it 50-some years, you know you're not going to make a lot of friends. You're not going to make everybody your friend. But I gained a tremendous amount out of it. And you have to look at what they get from me. Okay, I, I've had some tremendous wrestlers, very good football players, but some of the best moments of my life were not from my star athletes. They were from the other ones, the ones that worked hard, that were really not the first teamers that were there all the time, that they came through for you when you needed it. and Well, maybe you came through for them when they needed it. Well, maybe, well, maybe they needed that relationship, and that is probably, well, there's probably that's, a give that's, or take That's there. a lot of inspiration, though, too. I mean, you get a yeah. coach that's going to inspire you, even if you're, you have limited. Like myself, uh, I, I was always the most improved player. I yeah. was, you know, I was always a guy that the coach said, Jim, you were you were sandbagging at the beginning of the season, it's like weren't these you? Guys, the coach would say you guys should have half the heart, you know had the heart that Selovich does over here, and I wasn't the most, but I gave everything I had. Yeah, that's what that's what I hope that more coaches see that even though that isn't the best one, that's probably the best maybe that that athlete can give you. Mm-hmm. He wants to play. He might not be able to do the forty yard dash and even. Eight seconds, but he's doing it the best he can. He's not out there just walking. He should be giving you everything mm-hmm. he can, and that's what I was always pleased with. I had so many, so many great memories from from the wrestlers, and mm-hmm. and Gary Nephew is is, is the one that uh, inspired me. He was a, a young man who wrestled for me at Tremper, and he has spinal bifida. And yet he's an upstanding member of this community right now. He would, cr- he would crawl onto that mat and he would just yeah, and he's put it. He would leave it all out there. My greatest moment, and I've coached state champs and stamp championship teams, was when he pinned a young man in a tournament with a cradle, and everybody in that field house mm-hmm. knew how much it meant to him, and it meant more to me than I think that they, than they realized, but. And so I remember that moment just like it was yesterday. So um, he was a great kid. And I hope that Troy, and I know he will, and I'll just let him say a few things about what he feels about commitments from his kids and what they give him, if anything. All right. Mm -hmm. Wow, he teed it up nice for you, Troy. I think expectations. um, You know, and that we talked earlier about changing culture. and being part of that process, and that's really all you can ask for from the kids is their effort. Um, you know, one of the things they'll hear me say a lot is is be engaged, be committed. Um, you know, one of the things I brought up to them was be where your feet are. Uh, be engaged in the moment. Um, and be where your feet are. And so if for us right now that's here having great conversation, um, for them every moment be where your feet are. If it's in the classroom, if it's at home with your parents, uh, if it's representing Bradford High School as in a community service 
capacity if it's on our field it's uh, such, practicing. It's be where your feet are. Be engaged. Such an important, such an important message, and probably more important now. It was always important, but more important now than ever when when you're walking around with an electronic device in your pocket that can take you away from where your feet are at a moment. It's notice. hard, and, and I've, yeah, I, I don't do a great job of that all the time, um, and I've got to try to remind myself of that is be where your feet are and be engaged. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's why we have wives. I know my wife reminds me of that all the time, and I'm thankful <laughs> to her for it. Maybe not in the moment, but when I look back, right. you know, there are moments that I probably would have missed in my life uh, had it not been for her to just kind of jolt me away and say, hey, life is happening right here. And whatever it is that you're thinking about at work, whatever it is that's that's somewhere else, you can put that aside and think about what's right in front of you in the moment. And, and life is so much more worth living when, when you're able to do that. Right. I, I learned how to play hot cross buns this year by attending a recorder concert at Greveno. Um, the third graders did a terrific rendition of Hot Cross Buns, and so now my daughter and I can perform a duet because we have two recorders at home. And that's because I was where my feet were at that time, and I paid attention to Hot Cross Buns. So maybe we can have you back on as musical guests? I don't think I can. I don't think I can duplicate what they just did. No. Well, we are going to have to go into a short break, and then we're going to have some more lightheaded stuff. But before we go into that break, a couple of things that I want to to, to throw out there. Uh, for those of you that have been listening the last couple of weeks, you know that our, our first episode here on WLIP, we had Betsy and the Well-Known Strangers. And uh, just for everybody's sake out there that wants to know when they're going to be playing next, Saturday, June twenty second, 2019, they are going to be playing mm-hmm. At uh, Ruther High School, they're mm-hmm. going to be playing for a, a, a very good it's cause. A, a, Olivia uh, McKay, a scholarship fund. Correct. The study That's abroad. Yeah, my very good friend uh, Kelly. Uh, Kelly's uh, um, has this uh, great, uh, a great charity thing that after his uh, in honor of his daughter, in honor of, her, of his daughter. So and and the well known strangers. I'm going to be there. there. You're going to be there. Absolutely. I'm I'm Absolutely. unfortunately not even going to be in town. I, I actually bought tickets and gave them away because I I realized afterward I'm not going to be in town. But it should be a fantastic show at the Ruther Auditorium for a fantastic Which is cause. The Ralph J. Houghton. The Ralph J. J. Houghton, Houghton Auditorium. Auditorium now. Over at Ruther High School, it it sure did, and 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 what a great man to dedicate it mm-hmm. to. Somebody who also dedicated a lot of years sure. in the service of Kenosha, mm-hmm. uh, as you two fine gentlemen have done and are doing now. And it's it, this is a great community still. Yep, it is, it is. And uh, with that, we're going to go into a short break, and when we come back, we're going to do a little dad trivia and see yeah. how much these dads know about dads on Get Real with Ralph. Hat tip there to uh, to my father, who has always joked with us that someday when he's no longer among us, he wants us to play Papa was a Rolling Stone. I always laugh every time he says it because it's such a morbid thing to, to ask for. But he was definitely the opposite of the Papa in this story here. He you know, was around my whole life, and I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, but especially mm-hmm. my own father, who is uh, listening via the Internet up north somewhere in his camper oh, okay. with his lovely wife. So, Papa, you're being a Rolling Stone right now in your in your uh, in your RV. I hope you're in, I hope you're enjoying the rest of your day. Had a great breakfast together this morning at Kenosha Brewing Company. Have you been there before, Jim? That's the old uh, Brewmasters Pub, and it was uh, it was Bowling Bear. Bear, Bowling and Bear. And, you know, they brought the they brought the brewing back to it. They they, they brought they, all the they tanks still, in, and then they're making beer there again. Okay. And uh, 
This is the second time that I've been there for for a breakfast in the last couple of months, and uh, the, the the service is great. The food is fantastic. They have these smoked wings if you go there at night. That okay, oh, tasty. Maybe stuff. we'll get them as a sponsor here. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll. I mean, we just gave them a free plug. We're, but we're it was talking about it so much. <laughs> well, we're in the studio here at AM ten fifty WLIP in Kenosha and streaming all across the world via our YouTube channel, which you can get to just by going to GetRealWithRalph.com. So I hope that you tune in. If you missed it, you can tune in and watch later. And uh, we are talking Fathers and Father's Day with Bob and Troy Bao here, who have dedicated a lot of years of their life to, to coaching youth and know a thing or two about fathers and fatherhood as well. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to ask a couple of father questions about some famous dads and see if we can figure out who's who and What's what in the world of celebrity fathers? So uh, I've got ten fathers here that we're gonna we're, we're gonna try and figure out who they are. I'm gonna give you the hints, and then you try and tell me between the two of you and Jim. You can jump into who you think that father is. So coming in at number ten is a father who has six children. Of these six, three of them are girls who became his daughters when their mother married him in the first episode. Who is that father? Brady. Mike Brady. And for a bonus, what did Mike do for a living? Oh, Mike was an accountant. Mike was an architect, right? Architect. 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 And we're going to oh, do that, that one separate. George on Seinfeld was an architect. <laughs> <Yeah>. Art Vandalay. <laughs> All right. Coming in at number nine, we have a man who loved a woman named Lucy both on and off the screen. Ricky Ricardo. Ricky. Lucy, I'm home. Lucy, you got some splaining to do. Some splaining <laughs> to do. Ricky Ricardo. What was his job? He was a band leader, right? He was an entertainer. He yeah. was a band leader. leader of the band. Yeah. And if that godfather tries any rough stuff with me, you tell him, I ain't no band leader. All right. Coming in at number eight, a man with two sons. Both were psychiatrists. He himself is a retired cop. He's got a cute dog named Eddie. And he can beat his oldest son in a staring contest anytime. Who is the dad? Whoever Frazier's dad is. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. Martin. 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 Martin Crane. All Martin right. Crane. John right. Mahoney out of Chicago. <laughs> All right. Number seven, a father who has seven children and has taken in many other children as well. Which father who will become grandfather to many sets of twins am I talking about? Hmm. Can you read that again, please? Seven children. Seven children. Taking many others in as well. Taking many others in as well. Okay. And he'll become a grandfather to many sets of twins. Wow. Harry Carey. The last name... Last name is Camden. Does that help anybody? Camden? Camden? Is it... Uh, i never heard of it. No, no idea. This, yeah, I don't know how this is number is, four. Is this like an American... Sh- is this like, yeah, you know... Camden, yeah, maybe Camden. maybe some BBC show that we're not maybe privy it's to. Maybe British. We're not uh, BBC three at <laughs> nine o'clock on a Thursday night. BBC eight, the Ocho. <laughs> All right. <laughs> At number six. No, wait, what was what, I don't know. I'm gonna, it's, 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 you don't have the, the answer? The choices are David, Matt, Eric, or Simon Camden. we got to pick the right one, and then it's going to score us here in the end here. Oh, no, yes. No. Let's go with Simon. Always see. All right, we're going to go with Simon. We're going to find out for right or wrong. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, this is like a group project here. All right, at number six, we have a father of three girls. His wife was killed in a car accident shortly after the youngest daughter was born, but his brother-in-law and best friend moved in to help him raise his children. 
He is the cleanest man in San Francisco. Who is he? My wife's at home yelling at me right now. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, she knows this. This one. is Full House, right? Full House, right? Right. Full, okay. House, Full House, right? All right. Yeah. So is it? It's not Joey. Oh it's no, the father weird. is. What, what, is it Danny Tanner? Is that it? Is Danny? Danny Tanner. It's Danny. Okay. Danny. All right. All right. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Halfway done. Number five. We got a father of four girls and a boy. Four girls and a boy. All I have to say is he's a doctor and his wife is a lawyer. Doctor, lawyer. Oh, it's a Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be uh, Cliff Huxtable? Yep. Yep, roofie pills not included. Yep. You'll see the thing about... I can't no, believe that one's still on there. Not gonna I be can't, that well, I'm surprised they haven't pulled that one. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, the fictional character was much better than the real the real person, <laughs> yeah, I guess. He always is. Dad, you um, used to wear sweaters like him. Yeah, sure <laughs> <laughs> You remember his sweaters, right? Oh, yeah, Cliff? He, he was known for his sweaters. He's right. known for his sweaters. I could, yeah. I, could, I could see you, Bob, one of those nice little argyles. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, he used to wear sweaters like that all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the next one? All right, coming in at number four, we have a father who adopted a little girl with different colored shoes. Also living him with him was the little girl's dog, Brandon. Who is this man? Is it from Punky Brewster? That was my guess, Punky Brewster. I have no idea what the dad's name was. was it, where are the options? Let's see, we got Harry Weston. Harry. It's Harry. 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 It's Harry. Harry. Wow, that, that was impressive, Jim. Uh, I'm probably was, wrong. Not to impressive. be confused with Dirty Harry. You said that very yeah. confidently. Oh, yeah, you got to say what conviction is. Yeah. Like, oh, that's Do right. you feel lucky? Do you, punk? I lost sound here. Hello? What? It's still, it's it's winding down. That's why. Uh, right here? Yeah. Don't worry about it. You're still going out. No, I'm not on. You're on. I can hear you. I can. Okay. Well, we're down to the last three. Okay. At number three, we have a man who fell in love with the town's doctor. When he married her, he ended up becoming a father to her three children, whom she adopted when their mother died, as well as being a father to Katie, the child he had with this doctor, who is this wonderful man. Hmm. Married a doctor. Let's see. Um, what do you think, guys? Not, not here? Well, we're still on the air because we're still going out. Just All so right. Just so you guys know, we're still going out. All right. Um, I have no idea. Is so, it Homer Simpson? Uh, what are the what are what are our, Jeff uh, Foxworthy, Brian Sully, or Dan Connor? I'll go with uh, uh, Jeff Foxworthy, Brian Sully. Okay, Jeff Foxworthy. All right, number nine. This father existed in real life, although not all the children he had or adopted did. He was a wonderful man, loved by everyone in Walnut Grove. Who is Pa? Walnut Grove. Oh, that's uh, the Waltons. Waltons. The Waltons. Papa Walton. It would be uh, John. No. Is no, it? it's not. What's their name? Not the Waltons. It's not the Waltons. Nope. You're, you're confusing the Waltons with Little... Little House on the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie. Ah, yep. okay. That was Charles. Charles. Yep. Charles Ingalls. Yep. Yep. And number 10, the number one TV dad of all time. Andy Griffith. You bet. Yeah. My wife this, is from What um, was the name Mount of his Aaron. character in the Andy Griffith show? Andy Taylor. Andy, Andy Taylor. Taylor. Let's check that out. That's easy. My, ki- my kids have been in his squad car. No kidding. Yes, because my wife's from Mount Airy, which is uh, what the show's based on. Andy's right. from there. North Carolina. And it's not in, you know, in the show, it's um, Mount Pilot, right? Mm-hmm. The town next door. Okay. And in real life, it's Pilot Mountain. Ah. Pilot Mountain. Yes. It's no this kidding. town right, ne- right next to Mount Airy, which is Mayberry is Mount Airy. That's Very awesome. strange. All right. We should get points for that. We should. Yeah, you guys. We should get ding, ding, points. ding for that. 
Uh, yeah, the uh, Harry Harry uh, Weston was wrong. It was Harry Warnamount, so I picked the wrong Harry. Okay. But does it tell you where it's from? Uh, or TV show? George Gaines played Henry on Punky Brewster from yeah, I, 1984 I got the show right, yeah. to 1988. Right. He's originally from Finland. Yeah. And then the, we got, the one we got wrong was Foxworthy. The correct answer was Byron Sully. And what show? Dr. Quinn. Dr. Quinn, I Minnesota never. Woman. That one, I mean, come I on. I thought about it when you said she was a doctor. Yeah. Yep. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. I'm a damn it. Medicine one. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we do on the other ones? Have we got the other we ones? Got all the, the yeah, all other the rest of them correct? we got right. All right. Yeah. That's not bad. So what are they calling us? Because usually with those things, they give us like a, a label now. Do we get a label? An, an idiot? Yeah. I don't, did we get a label? Uh, let's see if it gave we us one. 72%. Yeah, How can we like get 72 a, if there's 10 72, questions? 72, you know, if you're grading on a curve in today's day and age, it's probably an A. <laughs> Depending on which school you're you at. Give us extra credit. I'm leaving that alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Coach ain't going to touch that one. Yeah. You know, All there, right. There wasn't a, the courtship of Eddie's father was a great one. Oh, yeah. Bill Bixby, the Incredible yeah. Hulk, before yeah. he's Incredible I, Hulk. What was another great show? Uh, father Knows Best. Father Knows Best. Yeah, he, oh. sh- he sold insurance, I think. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah. yeah. Leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. Leave great, it to Beaver. Great TV dad. Great TV dad. Yeah. And, of course, the most dysfunctional TV dad of all times, if you can count HBO as TV. Have you guys ever watched the show Shameless? Frank Gallagher. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, Frank. Frank. Frank Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. What a great actor. That's I, I great love it. Yeah. Yeah. Frank's terrific. Yeah. Terrific dad. Well, yeah, he, perfect dad. If you're uh, Tony Soprano was a father. Yeah. You know, what, oh, <laughs> what, what was Tony Soprano's occupation? Mobster. He he was in well, garbage a, disposal. Well, waste, or something. Yeah, like like every waste man, like every good like every good gangster, he was in waste management. Waste management. Waste management. Unless you're a mobster in Kenosha, then you're then you're into the. There's uh, no mobsters in Kenosha. Yeah. Then you're then you're into the uh, video gaming business. That's, that's Have you ever uh, read the book Shallow Grave? Yeah. <laughs> video games and pinball. what else? Well, pinball. Pinball. Video yeah, games. Yeah. Back then it wasn't video pinball. games. Like it was, yeah. It was jukeboxes. Jukeboxes. Right. And jukeboxes. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was it back then. Pool tables. So who's your who's your favorite TV father of all times, Jim? Oh, you know, uh, that's a darn good question. I always uh, always liked uh, well, I liked Andy Griffith. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun. Uh, I, I got to think on that for a second. We can go around the table. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. Something here. Troy, uh, I don't know. Dick Van Patten. Oh, Dick good one. Good Van one. Eight is Patton. enough. Eight is enough. Eight there is you go. Enough. That's a good Christy one. McNichol. Christy McNichol. She wasn't a father. No, but she was on that show. That's the only reason no, I watched. No, Christy was oh, on Family. Yeah, oh, yeah, Family. Yeah. Who was the girl on Eight is Enough? Eight, well, there was a bunch of them. There was... Uh, I just remember the like, kid with a bowl haircut because well, he was they, about my age they, at they the had, time. Yeah, uh, what was that? The little one, the little kid. Well, he was like was. the run to the litter, so I identified yeah. with then him Then they got Willie bit. Ames, played the other one, played the uh, older one. Then he had like three sisters on it. I don't think none of them were really big, big names during the time it was. But uh, and of course, that's a, good, that's a good father one. My f- probably my favorite TV dad of all time when I was growing up would have to been Mr. C. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He yeah. was a good one. And he was, Howard. How, yep, Howard Cunningham. Cunningham. Yep. And about, you know, Jamie Lannister. <laughs> that was in black and white. <laughs> Game of Thrones. He was a father. He had a few of them. A Lannister always pays his debts. Well, 
The people, the, the, the people know yeah, the Game of Thrones right now. Going, ooh, that was a that was a sassy answer. I have never seen one episode of Game of Thrones. I'll try. You're in for a treat. You got to just well, start Ned's, from the Ned beginning. Ned Stark was a very good father. Ned's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I Ned mean, Stark. If he would have just he kept, lost his head, <laughs> I was going to say, if he would have he just kept his head, head about him, he would have been yeah. a great father. Yeah. 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 You know, after that first season, that that made me so mad. I didn't watch the second well, season you know, for four what, years. It's yeah. just it kind of changed the way things go too. As far as like nobody is, you know, irreplaceable. You know, no, you know, everybody's irreplaceable. Yeah, but to take the protagonist out of a ten, you, t- you take ten Sean seasons, Bean, which is a great actor. Season, have, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was uh, that that was an incredible series that I still haven't finished, and I guess life. I'm just too busy with well, life. I'm gonna go back to my favorite my favorite father. I guess would be my two dads. Remember my two dads, my two Greg dads. Evigan and Paul Reiser were the uh, oh, the fathers. Yeah. Yes, one yes. was a natural father, the other one was a stepfather, and the daughter lived with them. And you know the funny thing about I couldn't pick I, I couldn't pick just one, so I had to go with two dads. I almost feel like we're p- playing word association here because P- Paul Reiser wrote the book Fatherhood, That's which right. uh, yeah he did was a really really first he wrote Couplehood, which is a really mm-hmm. funny. If you're married, you need to read that book because. I guarantee you've experienced some of those things in that book in your lifetime. And then, uh, or parenthood, that was the second one, parenthood. And they talk about having their first baby and, uh, you know, pulling your hair out. And if you read it and you don't have kids, you're thinking, wow, this guy's a cynic. But if you've had kids and you read it, you're like, this guy is brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that, like, now there's so many shows on uh, current day where the father's aren't like the fathers were mm-hmm. in the TV in the 60s, uh, in the 50s and 60s and right. early 70s. The fathers and the shows that are on now aren't even close to right. the, the moral-type fathers that, mm-hmm. we, that were shown on TV in those days. When TV changed the censorship thing, it, it was just, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. Well, there's a whole society yeah. which is, is changing. And, right. and it's, but then you got the, the fathers like, uh, well, I guess... Uh, from Roseanne, yeah, which now the Connors, uh, that father was always like straightforward. This is what you're going to do, kids, and you know a little more. But yeah, you're right. Uh, a lot of fathers now are just you know they want to be best friends and and not not a parent. They don't want to be a Rolling Stone. <laughs> so we with have that, a few, few minutes left, we do have a few minutes left. I'll tell you, this has been a, this has been a great opportunity to. Uh, have you talk about your program? Uh, I know that there's some fundraising or some some charity nonprofit things that are going to be going on with some former Bradford players coming up in the next couple of weeks. There's a we do, yeah. Uh, you kind of meant, alluded to it earlier as uh, far as Melvin and Trey, and and mm-hmm. you know they've both been great for the Bradford program. It's it's, and it's, it's it's so great to see them giving back. They do a great job you know, of giving and, back and, to the and, community. You know, and they really and, do, and they're great guys too. They are. They're, they're, super, they're super super nice, very accommodating. We had a team bowling outing this winter, and I know Melvin loves to bowl, so I sent him a text, and you know, I sent him. I took a picture of the guys bowling, and I sent him a text and said, "Hey, they're getting ready for you." And he said, "Is this right now?" And I said, "Yeah, why?" He said, "Because I'll be right over. I'm in town." And <laughs> so, that. in 20 minutes, he was at Surfside Lanes. Uh, another shameless plug for you there. Um, Surfside Lanes in bowling with our guys, and then taking pictures with all of them, etc. But yeah, coming up. Uh, July 20th, Melvin and Trey have a um, dodgeball tournament at Mahone. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a dodgeball, right? Right. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, so they have a a dodgeball tournament uh, on the 20th at Mahone. And then on the 21st, I believe, 
or it's the 21st and 22nd. It's that weekend, Friday and Saturday. The Saturday is the will be the second annual Melvin and Trey seven on seven tournament at Bradford. Um, so, and they do a, a, a great, great job of giving back and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and super accommodating every time you see them and just really, really super guys. I know Melvin just had a camp yesterday um, and, and Madison with James White, uh, Super Bowl winner, former mm-hmm. Badger. Um, and actually one of our, one of our future um, Red Devils, one of our incoming ninth graders, was MVP of the camp, so oh, uh, bright future at Bradford. Um, you know, we're we're real, real young, um, uh, but excited. You know, we're we're a lot stronger this year than we were last year, and uh, a bunch of young kids are going to play. You know, we I see a scenario where we're playing probably four or five seniors, um, so it's going to be exciting. That's awesome, and uh, it's, to see you develop this program has been you know lots of fun so far. I know we got great things ahead for Bradford football this year, and uh, please. Come on back. In fact, come on back with all the high school coaches, and uh, let's do something fun to get uh, all the players and all the parents uh, you know, engaged in the process and have this little friendly, fun, crosstown rivalry continue on with all three schools. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph on AM 1050 WLIP Kenosha and simulcast on YouTube at GetRealWithRalph.com. Hope you've enjoyed listening as much as We've enjoyed jacking our jaws here. Happy Father's Day one more time to all the fathers out there and all the father figures out there, all the stepfathers out there, everybody who's doing their part to be positive role models on today's youth. Thank you and enjoy your night. Yeah. You're doing the monkey.